Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Mm, Amen. Good morning, everybody. Wow, it's still dark there for a second. Man, what a beautiful time together in worship this morning, huh? Man, there's just something so special when we gather together to worship a living God. Amen? I just want to remind you of that this morning. I think Pastor Zach and what the Holy Spirit's doing in us this morning is leading us into a moment, and I'm believing this for you this morning. There's going to be a moment of revelation for you today as we get into God's Word. What is revelation? Revelation is simply an understanding that you didn't previously have. I'm glad you guys are here this morning. (laughs) Revelation is an understanding that you didn't previously have, and this is what I'm praying for us this morning, that as we get into God's Word and just get to enjoy some time together learning and growing, that the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate something to you that you didn't previously know. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Before we jump into that today, I just want to, first of all, say thank you to a few folks. How many of you noticed that there's some change happening on the outside of our building? Yeah, yeah, we got some crazy stuff going on there, new paint going up, and the next few weeks here we'll have um, some new metal going up where the wood is. I know some of you are like, uh, that's weird, they did black and white and mauve, what is that color? No, the, the, the mauve color isn't stained, it's going to go away here, we got some, some metal siding that's coming along. We're just trying to take care of our facility, uh, it hasn't been paid in it over like 15 years or so, so we thought we'd put a new coat of paint on it. And we've had some great uh, partners and folks that are helping with that process. I want to say a big thank you to Mark and Wendy and Spraying Coat. They own Spraying Coat Painting Company. Yeah. They donated all the paint for this project so that we could get this thing done, and it, it looks beautiful. Um, we have a young man in the church who's been spearheading all of that. Where's Elijah? This gentleman right here is Elijah. Sneak. And uh, he's actually been the one with his partner doing all the work outside, and uh, I love it. It's so cool just to see freshness on our building. Here in a few weeks, they're going to be redoing gutters around the center building and new fascia and soffit and all that kind of stuff. How many know you just sometimes got to take care of your house a little bit? And it's just that time we're very grateful for what's going on. We've also had some people asking about a parking lot. And uh, we are and have been for some time um, just working through the process of what it would take to, to get a new parking lot. How many of you know they're not cheap? They're not giving them away. Can't go get one at Walmart for like $9.99. That would be nice. Um, really, realistically, for us to replace our parking lot, it's really about $250,000. Everybody's like, well, yeah, it's expensive. And so we're in the process right now of just seeking God and, and finding strategic ways to be able to do that. Um, if any of you have any ingenious ideas, let us know. Um, and no, shovels and a backhoe are not an option for us, um, at least at this point in time. Uh, but we got some work to do on that, and we're, we're working on it. Um, but we're going to also be good stewards of the resource that God's given us. Amen? And very grateful for the building that we have. We're even going to talk a little bit about that today. Grateful for all that God's given us. But we are in the process of all those things taking place, and some of those things take a little bit of time. So um, just grateful for your guys' patience with us as we're working through that and as we're taking care of our facility and just all that God's given us here at River Valley. Very, very grateful for what we have. Amen? I ask you this question every week, and I'm going to ask it to you again today, and I'll put a little different framework on it. But I want you, before we get into the Word of God today, I want you to ask yourself, God, what do you want me to know today? 
There's something that God wants to teach you. There's something new and fresh. I talked a little bit about revelation. We talked about repentance a few weeks ago. There's this changing and growth that God wants to do in our lives constantly. And when we gather together like this, this is not just a Sunday morning thing that we do because it's what Christians do on Sunday morning. If that's why you're here, I just want to help you raise your your sights a little bit more. Get your aim a little bit higher. There's something that the God of all creation wants to speak to you today, wants to give you understanding on today, and you're here for Him. You're here for that. And as we gather together, and the beauty of gathering together is that we get to learn and grow from each other in this journey and process, but we've been asking God to speak to us and teach us and show us. And I saw this meme this week that I thought was like the perfect example of what we're wrestling with in America today. And here's what it says, it's hard to hear God's voice when you've already decided what you want him to say. Ouch. Ouch. As a pastor, can I tell you, this is probably the mindset that I have to deal with the most in walking with people in their journey of faith. Is that God, we have this expectation that God's going to speak to us the things that we want to hear. He's going to speak to us the things that make us feel good. He's going to speak to us the things that already confirm in our life that we're supposed to go in this direction. But how many of you know, oftentimes, 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 when God speaks to us, it's different than what we thought. In fact, if you want some foundation for that, read this, the Bible. When God got ready to use people in mighty ways, oftentimes he instructed them to do things and prepared them in ways they were not thinking that he was going to work in. And so this is the mindset that we've got to be careful when we come to church and say, God, I want you to speak to me today. Oftentimes what we're looking for is for God just to say the things that we want him to say. But can I, can I remind you he's God? And he's got some things that he wants to speak to you that will actually be better than what you think you want to hear. But we have to have open hearts to hear and respond to him. So this is why I invite you every week, God, what do you want me to know today? What do you want me to know? And I'm believing that as we sit and listen, as we let the word of God marinate inside of us, as we tell some stories and illustrate some things, that some revelation will come to our life today about the thing that God has for you today. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Write it down as God speaks to you today. Don't just be like, oh, that was good. That was good. That was good, God. You'll remind me of that later. Can I just help you with something? He probably won't. He spoke to you so that you would listen so that you would write it down, that you would meditate on it. Can I tell you, that's how we have this right here, is God spoke to some people, they wrote it down, thank God, and now we have it as the word of God to us, amen? There's some things that God wants to speak to you today, so I want to encourage you to prepare yourself in writing. Now today, we're having to shift gears here a little bit because we're in this DNA series and we're talking about the DNA of the church. We're talking about really the DNA of us here at River Valley, and DNA is the imprint. It's what, it, what makes us who we are. And I was going to, I had this beautiful idea today. How many of you guys know Tim Hachigan? He's our resident PhD. He did his doctoral studies on DNA and all that. And Tim was going to come share with us just some stuff about DNA today. But unfortunately, last night they had a family emergency and he, had, he texted me and said he wasn't going to be able to make it today. But here, here's what I want to help you with, that, that DNA and we're going to get Tim in here, and he's going to share with us a little bit. 
But DNA is the very blueprint. It's the foundation of how God put us together. And it's really the the foundation of how he put the universe together if we want to break it down to even the, the more elemental spaces. And the reason we're talking about DNA for us here as a church body and for you as a follower of Christ is because you have to know what you're made of. You have to know why you're here. You have to know what God is doing and, and why He's been doing. And that's what we're taking time to do is talk about the DNA of the church and to, to remind ourselves that we're followers of Jesus, right? We're on Jesus' mission and we're, we're, we're performing that and living that out in every aspect of our life. Not what we do here on Sunday mornings, but it's what you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Those spaces of our life with our family and our community and, and our workspaces, all of this is being worked out in us, the, the DNA of who we are and what the kingdom of, is all about. And I want to remind you this morning that you've been born again. You've been born again. Okay, what we once were was not enough to enter into all that God has for us. And so we sang about it this morning. Zach led us there this morning. Jesus came and went to the cross to forgive us of our sin and to help us engage in this beautiful relationship with the creator of the universe who is Lord and King and invites you and I into this beautiful work that he's doing in the world. It's why there's breath in your lungs. That's why you got up this morning. You may not know that, but that's why the creator designed you the way that he did. And so today we're going to, we're going to jump into our conversation because what we're doing here at River Valley, if you're wondering about this, we are, we are building lives that look like Jesus. And we're not doing that of our own strength and our own ability. We're going to the Word of God. We're sing, doing what we sing about this morning. We're asking the Holy Spirit to come and do a work in us. And we're allowing God to make us in the image of Christ. Zach did an incredible job last week of talking about our purpose and our purpose is to bring glory to God to be image bearers of Him. And one of the things that he talked about last week was, was as we bear the image of God, as we represent Him to the world that we're in, what does that look like to the people that we're around? I want to take you back to just a thought in the Old Testament. How many of you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Okay. The Ten Commandments were, were something that the early um, church, let's put it this way, or the children of Israel, God's people, really functioned and lived their lives by. There was some instruction that God gave. Everybody wants to say rules. They were instructions on how to live both with God and people. And one of those instructions was that you should not take the name of the Lord God in vain. Right? Now, oftentimes in our culture and world, I even grew up with the mindset, that means you don't swear. That means you don't cuss. That means you don't say bad things about God. Can I tell you, that has nothing to do with what that commandment was about. That commandment is actually inviting us into the place of saying, hey, if we are the people of God and we are image bearers of God, that we don't take his name in vain. What does that mean? That we don't say that we are the people of God, but live like the world. That we don't say, hey, we're followers of Jesus, but we don't have faith to believe God in our finances and our families or in or in the fact that God might be asking you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with your neighbor. See, that's what it actually means to take the name of God in vain. It means to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't live like him. That's what it means. Not because you swear or curse or all those types of things. Not that I'm promoting those things. I'm just saying, that's not what the Ten Commandments was speaking there. 
It's saying, hey, you are an image bearer of Christ. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So, church, this is why we're talking about DNA. Because we want to represent him well with our lives. Not just talk about him on Sunday mornings, but live out the mission of the gospel through our lives in the everyday spaces that we live in. Amen? That's why we're in this. And so we're building Jesus-shaped lives. And this week, it's our sixth value, and we're talking about we live generously. Everybody say generously. Generously. We live generously. Now, here's what I want you to do. We've done this every week, and we're going to do it again today. I said those words, we live generously. I want you to take about 10 seconds here. I want you to think about what that means to you. Like just in your heart and mind, we live generously. What does that mean? All of us have a little bit of a different picture and probably context from that, okay? I'll give you about five more seconds here. You're thinking about this for you. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a moment and talk with the people that are around you about it, okay? Tell them what that means to you. You guys ready? Go. Come on now. There you go. Just the people around you. We live generously. Hey, for those of you that are joining us online, take a moment and think about this. Maybe take a moment and text somebody or send an email or give somebody a call about what this means that we live generously. Come on, good conversation. We live generously. You got 50 whole seconds. Don't be cutting this short now. If you got done talking with one person, maybe talk to the person on the other side of you. What does it mean? We live generously. We live generously. Come on, you got about 30 seconds. No, that 90 seconds seems like a long time. About 10 more seconds here. Wrap up your conversations about generosity. Come on. All right, all right. So we live generously. It's a statement. We have a little tagline we're going to put to that here in just a second. But, but here, here's what I want you to do as you're, as you're thinking about this. I want you to just understand that a lot of times in our lives when we're communicating like this, what we're actually doing is learning from each other. This has been one of my favorite parts about this series that we've been in, is this 90 seconds that we take to just talk a little bit about these spaces. What is generosity? Let me, let me give you a de- definition. It's going to help us kind of set the framework for where we're going this morning. Generosity is the virtue of being liberal in giving. Some of you are offended already. I said the word liberal. Being liberal in giving often as gifts, but not limited to monetary resources. Why don't you think about that? Often as gifts. So oftentimes when we think of generosity, we think of the stuff that we give to each other, which there's nothing wrong with that. That is part of generosity. But it's not always connected to a monetary resource. Okay? Why don't you think about that as we process through today um, and think about generosity. I'm going to ask you this question. So, so where does generosity come from? What's the source of that? How do how do we even have context for generosity? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go out on a limb here and says it begins with God. 
He's the creator of all things. He created the very universe that we exist in, the air that you breathe, the very idea of humanity and relationship. All of those things came out of the heart of God in creation. And God set this place and this model of generosity. I want to read a verse to us that's going to kind of set the context for us when it comes to the example. What does it look like to be generous? Romans chapter 8, verse 32 says this, He who did not spare his own son, speaking of God, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you want to define generosity, that's generosity right there. The God of all creation who has everything that he ever could need or could ever want has it all in his kindness, in his greatness, provided way for you and I to have relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And he, he, he was so gracious in that that he was willing to sacrifice his son so that we could have hope. I want you to think about that. And then it goes on to say, if, if God's that kind of gracious, will he not also just take care of everything else that's going on in our life? Now, I literally went through Scripture, and there's about 600 verses around this space of generosity and God's kindness and his goodness. And, his, and I, we just don't have time to go through 600 verses today unless you guys packed a lunch, no? So here's what I want to set. I, I just want to set the context that generosity begins and was the idea of God. And not only was it the idea, but it's, it's how he is. But oftentimes, we wrestle in this life and in this journey with some of these simple truths. In fact, most of us wrestle with a lot of the character of God. And I would say generosity is not one of those spaces that is exempt from that. So my question to you is, is God really generous? We ask ourselves kind of lots of questions around this Space. In fact, it's the age-old question. If you want to go back to the beginning of humanity in the Garden of Eden, what did Satan try to get Adam and Eve to do? To question the goodness and the generosity of God. Did God really say? In other words, God's holding out on you. You can't trust his character. It's the same conversation that's been had from the beginning of time. For humanity. It's the same conversation that we wrestle with today. Is God really generous? Will he actually take care of me? We question his character oftentimes. And it's the culture that we live in today. Would you guys agree that in the culture we live in today, questioning God is like the, the game of the week, right? Like it's just constant around us in everything that we do, from the news to the media. Even in churches, we're questioning whether God is who he says he is. And I I want to present to you today that he is, but I, I feel like today that this is one of the things that God wants to do in us is he wants to bring some revelation to the actual way that we think about him. And generosity is one of those spaces that will highlight that in our lives like no other space will. So let me, let me give you an illustration this morning. I was just praying this week and felt like the Lord gave me this illustration. So I want to share it with you this morning. And again, we're, we're talking about the way that we view God. They use generosity in his life, in our lives, and kindness. And so I'm going to just take, for instance, my life. Now, most of you know me as a pastor, but am I really? What if somebody told you that I was actually in human trafficking? Seems weird, I know, but think about it. 
do you really know anybody? Lots of pastors and leaders do bad things. Just look at the evidence around us, right? Like the world that we live in today, I mean, do you, do you really know me? Could it be? I mean, think about it. Let me present this to you. I've traveled all over the world this year, spent some time down in Mexico and spent some time in the Philippines. And ironically, these countries are the most trafficked countries in the world. Look at my life. I've got six kids, three of them adopted. That's weird, right? I mean, like, come on, is that normal? Do we, I mean, lots of traffickers use lots of spaces like these to accomplish their desires. So, makes sense. We've even seen his kids, you know, you guys have been around our lives. You've, you've seen my kids happy and sad. You've seen my kids angry at their parents. So, could it be that there's an abusive thing going on in that space? Look at the people that are around me in my life, people that I've known for a long, long time. Maybe they're just involved in my life as part of the cover-up. Never know. I've known people for 20-plus years around here, and they're part of the leadership of our church, and maybe that's why they're there, just to cover up this shady side of my life. Some of you would say, man, I've been around Tim, and I've, I've gotten some weird feelings around him sometimes. I mean, he's, just, he's just a little, little weird at times. I mean, he's tall and he's intimidating. And man, you just like, he said hi to my kids once. I think he was faking it. You laugh, but could be. You see me putting on the show as a pastor, like I come to church and I raise my hands in worship. And you see, I, I kneel a lot. Maybe, maybe that's just because I feel guilty about this trafficking thing that's going on in my life. Maybe I'm crying over there because I'm asking God to forgive me for that. I mean, the evidence is there, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. You know, when you put all that evidence out there, I mean, traveling around the world to places that there's trafficking, and family and weird friends around his life, and all of these things like, the evidence is there. He's got to be a trafficker. All of the evidence points to it. Compelling, right? I can see some of you rethinking some of the conversations that you've had with me going, oh my word, it's, it's true. It's true. You know, we do the same thing to God. God, He's mean. He's unjust. He hurts people and allow bad things to happen in people's lives. Just look at the world around us that he supposedly created and is in control of. Bad stuff is happening all the time. He has to be doing it. I mean, I lost my job and my parents got a divorce and someone died that I loved. All of that has to be his doing. He's a monster or a best doesn't care about me or humanity. He must be cruel and out to get us all. Generous? Not a chance. He just wants my money and my time. Yep, the evidence says that I can't trust God. Could it be that we have bought into 
little small lies in this journey of life that in the moment seems plausible. But in the light of reality holds no real truth to it. I want to remind you that you have an adversary over your life, the devil. And the description that the scripture gives you about him is that he is the father of lies. And there's a reality about this life and this journey that we can interpret a lot of the things that we experience and we foreshadow that on the character and nature of God. But when we get down to the truth of it, there's some stuff that we've, we've got to deal with with maybe a little different perspective. So let me take you back into this illustration. Tim Fortin being a human trafficker. At face value, that seems a little crazy. But facts are, I have been to Mexico twice this year and once to the Philippines. Not for human trafficking, but actually for the exact opposite. To serve and love people that have been impacted by it. I have eyewitnesses who were with me on that trip. People that are here this morning that traveled with me to those spaces. We have pictures, kind of, of us being there. Ministering to people in the Philippines and baptizing people and connecting them to the goodness of God in their life. Working from village to village. Without question, I was in these places. And without question, there are people that were witnesses of what we were doing in those spaces. So the fact still remains that I was in Mexico and that I was in the Philippines. The fact still remains, whether I like it or not, we have six children living in our home. Six. You guys should just pray for us in that space. Six kids living in our home. And we have adopted, but not for any ill intent, but because God invited us to be a part of the journey of some kids in their life that needed forever families. And our home got to be a place for that. Yes, those kids are sad times because they're human and because they have human parents. Yes, I do have people um, who are around my life and have been around my life for 20 plus years. Instead of covering for me, they are often the ones who are asking the hardest questions of me. We've traveled through some of the ugliest times and still love each other. Remain faithful to the assignment that God's called us in a local church. That's a reality. I am tall. There's nothing that I can do about that. And yes, I do say hi to your kids, not because I have to, because I'm genuinely excited to see you and them. I do kneel a lot in worship and cry a fair amount. Not because I feel guilty, but because I'm grateful for what God's done in my life. So though the evidence is there that I could be a human trafficker, it's not true. But you could have gone there if you distorted facts or made assumptions 
about certain things that you saw in my life. That's how the devil works in your life and mine when it comes to how we view God. He gets you to believe little things about him that aren't true. And then distorts them in our life to the place that really the the only one that we can trust, the only one who's been faithful and consistent and true, we start questioning his character and nature. Why? Because of the circumstances of our life and the little lies that we believe over time. The devil gets us to entertain these lies and he helps us to interpret life through the lens of these lies and we get a wrong view of God. That God is cruel when in fact God is love. God gave humanity free will and we are the ones who have used it to satisfy ourselves selfishly. Not God's desire for humanity. God gave us his word to help us see his incredible love and patience and kindness towards mankind. His plan for redemption, even when we rejected him and his love for us. God has given us eyewitness testimony of these things that he has done and sent his son Jesus as the physical manifestation of who God is. Instead of trusting his character and the clear evidence of his love and the care that he has for us, we often buy into the lies that are said of him, and it erodes our faith and our trust in his proven character and nature. Generosity is one of those huge areas around the character of God, of who he actually is. You with me this morning? Come on, I know. I feel the weightiness in this room. That's okay. We want to sit in that for a moment. God's generosity towards us is an example meant to lead us into living lives that represent him and his kingdom well. Generosity is when we are most like God, when we are living out generosity with our lives, when we are exemplifying what God exemplified to us, that is when we are representing him the best and the most in the world that we live in today. Here's what Scripture says about this. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to unpack this space here for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 and 10. I'm going to be reading this out of the New Living. And it says, For God is the one who provides. So I want to just stop there for a second. Without any qualification, God is the one who provides. I'm going to put this caveat on you. That is a truth. It's a fact. It's as immutable as gravity. God is the one who provides. I'm going to say that again this morning. This has got to get in our heart. God is is the one who provides. That's either a truth or a lie. You get to determine how you're going to process that. I choose to believe the word of God and the character of God over everybody else's opinions. Here's what it says. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. I love bread. Anybody else in here? In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Let me put this in a nutshell. God provides. He's the one that owns everything. He provides, and in his provision for you, 
what he's doing is teaching you and me because of his generosity towards us how to be generous towards others. Generous. Do you see it? This is the beautiful nature of God. Verse 11, yes, you will be enriched in every way. Everybody say every way. So that you can always be what? Man, we didn't say that with much conviction there. So that you can always be generous. And when you take your gift to those who need them, they will thank God. This is probably one of the most powerful spaces in Scripture for us to understand the generosity of God to us. And the fruit of that generosity is meant to go out and impact other people's lives. In fact, I'm going to say this this morning. Generosity points people to God. It is one of the best evangelistic tools the church has. Hear me this morning. Generosity, the way that we treat one another, the way that we um, uh, think about and process through life in the framework of other people around us, the way that we are liberal in our kindness towards one another, is one of the greatest evangelistic tools that you and I have. Why? Because people are watching what you do far more than what you say. Generosity is not something we talk about. Generosity is something we do with our lives. It's the space that we live in. Here's the reality of generosity. It is also the least used because we think The things that we have and the money that we have belong to us. Now we're getting somewhere this morning. We think that everything that we have in our lives, we earned. I want to take you back to the beginning part of the verse. For God is the one who provides. You can also break that down into God is the one who owns. In fact, Scripture tells us the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means everything that is on this planet belongs to Him. Why? Because He is the Creator, not you and I. Guess what our role gets to be? Steward. If everything belongs to God and God is the one that gives and provides and brings resource, He's finding people who will steward His resource well. That's what God is looking for. The test of that is simple. God made it clear, both old and new, how you handle the resources that He has given you will determine how He can provide greater resources for you and through you. And here's the fun part. You guys knew this was coming. It all begins with the tithe. A small fraction, a little part of what God has given you to steward God says, I want to test your heart in this. I can already see some of you going, I knew he was going to talk about money, generosity and money. You better believe I am. I wouldn't be preaching you the Bible if I didn't talk to you about resource and money. Because how we steward it is very important to God in this journey of life. Now, here, here's, here's what I want to make sure that we understand Tithing is all about understanding where the resource comes from in our life. We like to think, I go do the job, I go do the work, it's my money. Let me help you. 
Who put breath in your lungs? Who gave you a physical body that allows you to go do those things? You don't, this is not a, 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 a competition with God. God owns it all. But he's looking for people who will acknowledge their stewardship role of what he's given them. The tithe is that place where God's just saying, I'm going to test your heart in this. I'm going to see, here's, here's the crux today, I'm going to see what you really believe. Now let, let me help you with some clarity on this. God does not need your money. He's God. The very last things he needs is the U.S. dollars that are in your bank account. Not important. But what God does care about is your heart. And he knows that your heart is tied to your money. Why? Because it's such an integral part of our life. We find so much identity and all of those things in this space. And so what the Lord is at work here doing is not trying to get your bank account. He wants your heart. If he's got your heart, then there's the reality that he can do anything in the, in the realm of possible and impossible through your life because he has your heart. He's a God that cares about your relationship with him. Let me, let me put it to you in this frame. Tithing is like the end cats to medical school. You don't get into medical school without passing the MCAT. Not even a thing. When you think about the kingdom of God and you think about generosity and you think about the resource of the kingdom of God, when you think about the money that you have in your bank account and all the resources that you have, your house, your car, all of those things, if you don't settle the lordship issue of that in your life, I promise you, you're going to continue to struggle in trusting God in almost every space of your life. If you think that God needs your money, then you've believed a lie. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And what reveals where our trust is with God is these moments where God says, hey, I, I, I want to test this out in you and see where you're at. I want to see what your heart looks like in this space. Tithing reveals what we actually believe about the resources that we have in our life. Here's the lie. Why does God want my money? God doesn't want your money. We talked about this. The truth is he wants your heart. He knows that the money that you have has been given to you as a stewardship responsibility, and he wants to see the motivations of our heart. Let me help you even get a clearer statement here. God already knows the motivation of your heart. He wants you and I to understand what's going on inside of here. He wants you and I to understand the tension that we're wrestling with, with the lordship issue of our life. He's not out to, to mess you up. He's actually out to propel you into the greatest spaces of your life. But you've got to be honest with your heart around these spaces, and that's what this is all about. If you wrestle with tithing, let me help you with this, it's not a money issue. It's a belief issue. It's a trust issue. It's a lordship issue in your life. Most people will say, that, that's an Old Testament teaching, Tim. I can see some of the uh, scholars in the room look at me. Well, Tim, that's, that's Old Testament. I am under the new covenant of grace in Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you this morning. You're absolutely right. You are under the new covenant of grace. No question about it. Here's the fun part with that is Jesus didn't lower the standards of what we find in the Old Testament. He actually raised them higher. 
You with me this morning? Jesus didn't just go, hey, um, you know, those, those things that were in the Old Testament as far as that are going to keep your heart pure and keep you healthy in your relationships and all those things, don't worry about those anymore. You're under grace. You can do whatever you want. That is not what Jesus taught in any way, shape, or form. In fact, Jesus challenged us in some spaces that raised the bar so high that you and I couldn't possibly follow Jesus without him being involved in our life. Come on, church. You with me? And this space is no different. Matthew 23, 23 says this. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe. Who, who's talking right here? No, come on, church, don't get all bashful on me now. Who's talking right here? Jesus said you should tithe. Yes, he's emphatic about it. But do not neglect the more important things. We cannot be followers of Jesus. Listen to me, I'm going to pour this into your heart. You cannot be a follower of Jesus and not be generous. You're either following Jesus into generosity or you're not following him. We cannot be generous if we don't follow the most basic teachings of Jesus on how we handle resource, finances in our life. It's all about our heart. We're either His or we're not. We're either placing faith in Him or we're not. We're either believing the truth about who God is, that He has every bit of resource and everything that you will ever need, or we're not. We're holding on to it, thinking that I can handle this better than God. I want to be really clear to you this morning. This church does not need your money. That's not why we're talking about tithing this morning. What we long for for you as an eldership and a pastoral team is that you would walk in such loving devotion with Jesus that you recognize that He's the source of everything that you have in your life. Because that is the most freeing place you will ever live. Some of you are feeling fear and anxiety right now because you're thinking about money. I want to set you free from that this morning and help you to understand that if you'll recognize that God is the supplier of everything that you have in your life, and if you'll do things God's way, all of that weight for you to have to provide, for you to have to do all the work, goes off of your life, and you get to just come before Him and say, God, I'm your child. You love me. You care for the sparrows. You, 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 you've got it all covered, God. So what do you want me to do with your resource, God? It's the most freeing place to live in your life when you say, God, you're the one that's responsible for providing. My job is to steward whatever you put into my hand. Are you with me this morning? That's the freedom that comes in following Jesus. I want to take us back just a little bit here, and then we're going to finish up here in just a second. I want to take us back to something that Pastor Rod brought to us a little while ago. And it, it's, a, it's a pathway or an understanding of kind of how we approach life. This is the highway to holiness. This thing in the middle is the road. The two sides are the ditches, okay? And here's the reality of our journey in this life is that what God invites us to is this place right up the middle of relationship. And really what that relationship is built on is joyful obedience, loving obedience to a God 
that we know has the best for us. The two extremes that we go to all the time are either legalism or license. The other word for license would be lawlessness. When we understand properly God being our provider and His generous nature and heart, God leads us to, to the center space of traveling on a road that brings freedom and joy to our life. But here's what legalism says. Legalism says, I tithe to get God to love me and to bless me. That's what legalism says. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this money to the church because I want God to love me and to bless me. Lawlessness says this, I will do what I want with my money when I want. And loving obedience says, Jesus, I will follow your teaching and example as I steward what you have given me to steward. You see the difference? One's putting our faith and trust in God. The other two are either putting our faith and trust in ourselves or in actions that we think will make us right with God. We want to be a people that live out of loving obedience to Jesus as we follow him on this journey that he's invited us to in life. The statement that we have as a church community is that we live generously. Let me give you the tagline to it. We live generously. We go above and beyond to sacrifice for the work of God. For this thing that God is doing in the earth today, the hope that you and I have experienced, we partner together with God to extend that out into the world and the community that we're a part of. If we have a wrong understanding of God, if we have a wrong understanding of His character and nature, instead of being generous, we're going to keep for ourselves. Why? Because we think that is the safest way for us to live life. Can I tell you, if you're putting all the responsibility on you to provide for your life, good luck. Because in an instant, our economy could change. In an instant, everything that you're putting your faith and hope and confidence in could be gone. Some of you are like, I don't like this conversation. I understand. Believe me, I don't like preaching it any more than you like hearing it. But this is the reality of the truth of God's Word. Either we're going to be followers of Jesus to put our faith and our trust in Him, or we're going to be followers of ourselves and put our faith and trust in us. Church, the latter is a scary place to be. It's a scary place to be. And we want to be a people that are image bearers of God. That we don't take the Lord's name in vain, but when we say, hey, Jesus, we're followers of you, that means even in our finances, we're followers of you. Lord, that means even in the things that you're inviting us to with the people that are around us in life. Hebrews chapter 13, let me read this verse to you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. A generous heart. A generous heart. I want to give you a couple things. And, and the reason why we're talking about this this, this morning is, is not because we're horrible people at this. It's because I'm inviting you into revelation in your heart and mind, the motivation behind what we're doing in this journey of life. What you're doing with your life and your time. Because remember, generosity doesn't just have to do with your money. We've talked a bit about that this morning. But I'm going to pack a few more sections here for us as we just finish out our, 
our time of what does it practically mean to, to live out of this. But I, I, here's what I want to help you to understand. You're a part of a generous people. The church that you're in right now is, is, is a generous church because God has been so good to us. And I want to just share with you a few things that we've, we've been able to be involved in when it comes to generosity. This is ARC. ARC is a, an association of related churches, thus the acronym ARC, right? And what they do and what we get to be a part of with them is planting churches all over the United States and the world. And we give resources into this space right here. And just this past year, 63 churches were planted and 11 were planted internationally. I want you to think about this. So when we think about a community, it's great to come in and build a health clinic. And it's, man, I'm all for those things. It's great to come in and feed the poor and do all those things. But guess where that's supposed to flow out of? The local church being generous. When you plant a church in a city, when you plant a church in a community, it gives the opportunity for the body of Christ to rally together and to be image bearers of Christ in those communities. You and I have got a unique opportunity to have been a part of planting 63 churches just in this past year, just from your giving here at River Valley. These are part of the areas that our eldership has sat down and prayed through and said, okay, God, we're going we're gonna to give into these spaces. Can we go to the next one right here? $7 million is what was invested over that time into church planting. Now, I'm going to ask you a real quick question. How many of you guys have $7 million in your bank account? Dang it, we need a new parking lot. This is the beauty of being a part of the body of Christ. You may not have $7 million, but as a church family, we got to gather together some of our resources and sent it this way and partnered it with other churches from all over the United States who are doing the same thing. And we got to see the goodness of God planted in communities with life-giving churches that you and I were a part of. That's where part of your giving has gone to. There's some other spaces. We, in our missions fund and in our, our generosity to our community, we have a fund that is set aside for natural disasters, bad things that go on around us in the world today. We have some partners in, in the Maui area um, through the Manor House Network that we're a part of, the global network there, where we were able to give some funds into a local church there that was doing outreach around Lahaina. Their church, one of their churches got burned down, and their church rallied together from all over the islands there, and we're bringing food and resources and supplies and providing shelter, and you got to invest in that because of your giving here at River Valley. Pretty cool. Millions of dollars went into helping these families that were in pretty rough situations. Now, here's what I want to be on. We can't help in every circumstance, but we're trying to find the ones where God is calling us as a church community and family to be involved in. There's other spaces. These are some of the national and international spaces that we're involved with. There's other spaces that we have. This is the, uh, uh, the place in the Philippines where they're launching churches out. This is where we visited this last year. We've been there a couple times now. There's a, a, an incredible group of Christians that are there planting churches out of this place right here. This is called Godstown. This is the facility that they, they have had built for them a number of years ago, but is needing a little bit of help. We as a church community are rallying around them to build some infrastructure support to this facility so they can continue to train and equip and send out leaders into their community there to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, we weren't trafficking people. We're investing in people. And you guys, as a church family, got to invest and be generous to help them have the resource and the space that they need to be able to continue to do. How many of you guys think that's a good investment of your time and your money? Amen. 
There's some other spaces that we're working in locally here. Can we go to the next ones here? This is a single mom's house up in McCall that has been a part of some of our missions trips that we had some men from the church here in combination with a church that was in McCall go up and help her outfit her home to this, to this space so that she can now get financing for her home and help her family get completely out of debt. How many of you think that here in our local community and the people that we're surrounded by here that we should be generous? Amen. I'm all for internationally. We have funds set aside for that. But we also have funds set aside to be able to go this. But how many of you know it takes people that would say yes to this? Rod and Joel and Richard and a few other guys that we got to meet in McCall went up and invested their own time and their own energy into this moment right here to be able to help this single mom in this journey and process that she's in. And I could give you a bunch of other things that we are continuing. We are part of Love, Inc. And all these things that we're doing in our community to try and help people see and experience the generosity of God in their lives. Church, that's who we are. It's not just what we say, but it's who we are. These are the resources, the funds that you are investing when you tithe and give into what God's doing here at River Valley. We're taking 10% of that and we're giving it out into our, we tithe as a church. That's how much we believe in the biblical principle of it. And we're pouring it into our community and we're pouring it around the world and you are a part of those things that are taking place. That's part of the generosity that's flowing out of your life. Let me finish with this verse and we're going to be done. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good deeds. How many of you sit around going, how can I motivate someone to love and good deeds? Just think about that. When was the last time that you were sitting around going, hmm, how can I provoke Dallas to do something that's awesome? How can I come around some of the people that are in my life? How can I push them a little bit further forward in this place of love and good deeds? That's the picture that's coming to us in Scripture here. It says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. I bring this verse to us this morning because I recognize that we are seeing lots of things going on around us in our world today, that if you're a student of Scripture, if you see what's going on around Israel and the Middle East and what's going on in this place, we're seeing Ezekiel 38. We're seeing lots of Scripture beginning to unfold around us in this life. And what that should do for us as followers of Jesus is not make us go, oh no, what do we do? What it should provoke us to is continuing to gather together and love and good deeds to the people that are around us in our community. Why? Because it's the greatest form of evangelism that we have. We should be praying for Israel. We should be praying for the Palestinians. We should be praying for all the people that are being impacted on what's going on there. Without question of doubt, church, that's our responsibility. But we should also be living on mission right here in our own church, in our own community, in the way that we love one another, in the way that we love the people around us, and provoking each other to good deeds challenging each other to be generous with our life. Here's what I want to let you know. The people that are leading you in this church, your elders team and the people of the pastoral staff, around, they are pushing, they are leading the way with their lives in generosity. I don't know of more generous people than the folks that I get to lead with. And we're inviting you as a church family. And what that means is 
Just because we don't put it up on the screen doesn't mean God hasn't given you responsibility to be generous to the people that are around you in life. Just because there's not a, a bulletin announcement about that or an Instagram post or whatever doesn't mean that God is not inviting you into those spaces. You need to hear from Him and be generous in every space that God invites you to. And here's, what, here's the practical space that I'm going to launch us out with this morning. You guys ready? Generosity is not just your money, it's your time. Generosity is not just your time, it's your family. God was generous with His family towards us. Are we generous with our family towards Him? How about your friendships? Are we generous towards one another? Or are we looking, what, what do we get out of the relationship? Is that, our, is that our mindset? How about those in need? Well, that's the church's responsibility. You are 100% right. It is the church's responsibility. And you are the church. Hey, come on, church. I'm with you. Like, this is me too. Like that need across the street, it's not my responsibility to call River Valley and say, hey, you guys should really take care of that need. No, no, I am the church. God has given me the stewardship of the resources that I have in my family and my home, and I get to be the answer to that prayer in that person's life. Come on now. Are we generous with our emotions? What does that mean, Tim? That means are we creating enough emotional capacity in our lives by living healthy lives with healthy rhythms that allow us to be there emotionally for one another and the people that are around us? Are we so emotionally spent because of fear or anxiety or all the things that are going on around us that we don't even have capacity to be able to be generous to other people with the emotions of our life, to draw them in, to walk them in those spaces? See, generosity is not just about your money. It's about every part of your being and who we are. Why? Because that's what God modeled to us. That's who He is. So here's what I want to pray over us this morning, is that we would not be a church that is just generous in our funding sources, but that we would be a church that is generous because of the way that we live our lives. That we'd be a church that is generous with our time and our families, that we would open up our homes to other people, that we would make room and space for other people to experience the goodness and the generosity of God in and through our lives. Amen? We will not be perfect in this, but listen to me, church. We want to be on mission with our lives and the way that we handle ourselves as a church community. Amen? Listen, I was praying for us this morning that there would be revelation that comes to our lives, and I believe the Holy Spirit is bringing that to you right now. That there are some spaces in your life that God's inviting you to in deeper spaces of generosity. It's probably even challenging some of the narrative that you got going on in your head about him and about you. And that is the space of growth and revelation that the Holy Spirit brings to our lives so that we can bear the image of God rightly. Amen? Let me pray over you this morning, and here's what I'm believing, that from this time forward that we're going to be a people of generosity that look even different than what we did in the previous season of life together as a church family. That we're going to see explosions of generosity going out to the people that are around us. When we hear of need in our church community, when we're thinking about the resource that God has given us, we're not looking at it as my resource, but we're looking at it as the kingdom resource for what God wants to do in people's lives. Amen? And that we would be those who live this out in such a way that the greatest testimony that we have as a church is the way that we love one another. Amen? Father, we thank you for...
this incredible time in your word. And Lord, we, this morning, even before we step out of this place, Lord, Lord, we repent for believing lies about you that the enemy has sown into our lives, Lord. And Lord, this morning, we just humbly come before you, God, and we say, would you, first of all, forgive us, Lord? And secondly, God, would you bring this rejuvenation to our heart and mind, God, revelation to us about who you really are, God. Lord, that we wouldn't allow some assumptions of circumstances to dictate, God, the way that we view you. But Lord, we would allow the truth of your word, eyewitness testimony, God, of who you are, God, to guide us in our relationship with you. And Lord, I just pray for us as a church family, God, that no matter what's going on around us in our world, that we would be a generous people generous towards you and all that you've called us to, God, generous towards our neighbor, generous towards one another, God, Lord, in every aspect of our life, God. And Lord, if you're putting some conviction in our heart this morning, God, we receive that in our lives because we know that your intentions towards us are good. And God, what you're inviting us to, God, is not a burden, but a joy of following you in relationship. And Lord, I pray over us as a church family today, Lord, that every condemning, lying voice of the enemy would be broken. And that, God, that we would be a people that live in the freedom of following you, Jesus. Lord, as our Lord, as our Savior. But, Lord, we would experience the freedom that comes in walking in obedience to you. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this time, God. But I pray as we head into our days, Lord, and the week that's ahead of us, Lord, that we would be a people that, are, that look at opportunity around us differently, Lord, through generous eyes because we serve a generous God. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.